Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. our study tonight in the book of Revelation. If you would like to turn with us, we're in the 11th chapter. We're in the middle of uh, another parenthetical passage of Scripture. Uh, This started back in the 10th chapter of the book of Revelation, and it runs through the 14th verse of the 11th chapter. And as we've stated before, a parenthetical passage is just explaining some things that are occurring at the same time other events and things are happening and occurring. Uh, In the 10th chapter of Revelation, Jesus stakes his claim over the earth. In Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, the subject being discussed there is the temple in Jerusalem. The problem right now is there is no temple in Jerusalem, Uh, but there will be one because the Bible says here in verses 1 and 2 that there will be a temple. Uh, The problem is they can't build their temple because the Muslim Dome of the Rock is currently sitting on that spot where the temple is to be built. So the question is, how will they rebuild their temple? They've already drawn up the plans, and they've already got the young men trained for temple service, men that they believe to be of the tribe of Levi. And uh, so they've got everything in place. It's just there's the Muslim Dome of the Rock sitting there. Some interesting things are going to be occurring here in the future. Could it be an earthquake and that thing is destroyed? Could it be a rocket hitting it, destroying it? In one way, shape, form, or the other, that thing's got to go so Israel can rebuild their temple. And it's right around the corner, I believe. It could happen before the rapture. It could happen after the rapture. We don't know. But Israel is God's prophetic time clock. If you want to know where we are as far as prophecy is concerned, just look at Israel. And uh, started back in 1948 when Israel became a nation. After nearly 2,000 years of being scattered all over the world. And Hitler trying to destroy Israel, the Jews. Six million of them died in the Holocaust. And at the end of all of that, the vote was taken and Israel became a nation in 1948. Jesus spoke of the fig tree. 
He said, when you see the leaves spring forth, know that it is near. And Jesus said, after that, this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Now, a generation is somewhere around 70 to 80 years. And 66 years ago, Israel became a nation. So he's even at the doors. Praise God. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the two witnesses. Revelation chapter 11, verse 3 is where we'll be picking it up at. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3. I will give power unto my two witnesses. No one has ever been as anointed by the Holy Spirit as Jesus Christ. But these two witnesses are going to come in close second. He said, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. For the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, these two witnesses will preach about Jesus and his finished work at Calvary. And... uh that's what we ought to be doing today. That is the purpose of the church, is to tell others about Jesus Christ and the great gift of salvation, of him giving himself to mankind. But at any rate, who will these two witnesses be? Now, this has been debated among Christians for years. We know who one of them will be. But the key to finding out who these two witnesses are is found in verse 4. Revelation 11, verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now, if you will, flip over to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, if you will, move down to verse 11. We're going to pick it up there. Zechariah 4, verse 11, Then answered I, and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick, and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again, and said unto him, what be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These two anointed ones are the two witnesses. And Zechariah prophesied and saw these two witnesses in this vision 500 years before Christ. So we know that they were already in heaven by this time. So that eliminates anybody after 500 B.C. So that excludes John the Baptist. And John the Apostle. 
Some think that John the Apostle, the one that wrote the book of Revelation, will be one of the two witnesses, simply because there in the 10th chapter of Revelation, uh, Jesus told John, uh, you must prophesy again before many nations and peoples and whatever the case. But we know that it can't be anybody after 500 B.C., because Zechariah saw these two individuals in this vision uh, before God. Now, we know that Elijah will be one of them. Turn, if you will, to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the, New, of the Old Testament. If you find Matthew, take a left. Malachi chapter 4, move down if you will to verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So there you have it. We know that Elijah will be one of those two witnesses. Now, who will the other one be? Some think that it will be Moses. If you'll look back up uh, in verse 4 of Malachi chapter 4, look up there in verse 4, where it says, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Like I said, some think that it's Moses because he's mentioned in connection here with Elijah in the closing book of the Old Testament. Another reason they believe that uh, Moses will be one of the two witnesses is because of the miracles that he performed down in Egypt when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. He turned the water into blood. And these two witnesses, and we'll get to it here in, in just a minute, how they'll be able to turn the water into blood. That's why some think that Moses will be one of the two witnesses. Also, if you'll remember, when Jesus went up on the mountain and he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, what was on the inside of the Lord Jesus Christ just come shining out, his garments just glowed. And standing there with Jesus that day on the top of the mountain was Moses and Elijah. And they were talking to the Lord about what he would go through in Jerusalem. That's why others still believe that it will be Moses and Elijah. Now, these are some good reasons but there is an argument against it being Moses. And it's this. Moses has already died. Elijah didn't die. He was taken up in a chariot of fire. He never died a physical death. He's still up there in heaven in his physical body. And the Lord is keeping in maintaining him there in, in some way. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Well, Moses died, and God buried his body. There was a debate. Satan wanted his body and whatever the case, and God said no. And so there was an issue there concerning Moses' body. God buried Moses. Uh, the two witnesses will be killed. If you'll look in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 11. Revelation 11 verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. All right, think about this for just a moment. If Moses is the other witness and he is killed at this particular time, then that means Moses has died twice. And the scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die. So that is the argument against Moses. But now, I'm going to throw this out at you, and you can think about it. You can put it up on the shelf or for whatever it's worth. You can throw it in the trash can. My argument against that is, well, what about Lazarus? What about Jairus' daughter? Lazarus died was dead four days, and Jesus came and rose him up from the dead. He lived out the rest of his days, and he died twice. Jairus' daughter died once. Lived out. Jesus raised her from the dead. She lived out her life, and she died again. And countless others that we don't have a record of that Jesus raised from the dead. What about today? My daddy had an accident back in 1989. He died four times on the operating table that day, and they resuscitated him and brought him back. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Okay? Well, all of us are going to die once, unless you're one of those that get caught up in the rapture. So, you're, if, if, so if you're not caught up in the rapture, you're going to die once. But you can die Several times, and they bring you back, and we have evidence of Jesus bringing people back from the dead. So with that, Moses could be one of the two witnesses. But I'm going to reveal to you who I think it might be, and it's Enoch. Genesis chapter 5, if you will flip over there. Genesis chapter 5. Move down, if you will, to verse 24. How many of you know Enoch? Genesis five twenty-four, And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Enoch, that we know of, is the first one to ever be raptured. God took him. Boom. And as far as we know, he is still in heaven right now. He's still there in his physical body. He's never died. If you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 5, 
Hebrews 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Jude 1, verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Enoch was a prophet and prophesied about the coming of the Lord. With that, Enoch and Elijah will probably be the two witnesses that will witness for the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation period. I'm just presenting to you the information. You make up your mind as to whom you think it will be. We know that Elijah will be one. Could it be Moses? Could it be Enoch? We don't know. When the rapture takes place and all these things occur, we'll find out then who they are. All right. In Revelation 11, verse 5, we'll take a look at a few things going on here. Revelation 11, verse 5, And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. I don't think there'll be a literal fire coming out of the mouth of Elijah and Moses or Elijah and Enoch, whoever you think these two witnesses will be. Fire is symbolic for judgment. So whatever they say, God's going to back it up. And if anybody tries to kill them, they're going to turn around and pronounce judgment upon that individual and they will die by the means of whatever they say that's how I see that verse 6 these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood that's why some people think that perhaps it will be Moses because Moses uh, through the power of God, did this in the land of Egypt. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, notice the terminology. When they shall have finished their testimony. God's going to keep them safe until they have accomplished their work for the Lord. There's a great lesson there for us. If we're in the will of God and we're doing what God wants us to do, He's going to keep us safe until we finished what it is we're supposed to be doing. I don't know how many times I have heard the statement made, well, it wasn't their time to go. God must have something else for them to do. They're exactly right. True statement. God kept them safe till their work was finished. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, 
shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. That phrase there, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit. That is a fallen angel. And I'm not going to take a whole lot of time going into it tonight. We're going to save that for a little bit later on when we study a little more in depth on the Antichrist. But this fallen angel is the same fallen angel that aided and abetted Alexander the Great. They are still studying the tactics of Alexander the Great. He almost conquered the entire world of his day. His military tactics are still studied today. They do not know how Alexander the Great was able to do what he did. But the Bible tells us that there was a fallen angel that stood behind him and helped him accomplish and to do the things that he did. It is the same fallen angel that will aid and abet the Antichrist in the not too distant future. And like I said, we're going to take a look at that a little bit later on. Uh, Verse 8, Revelation 11 and verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. I want you to notice the terminology here. The Holy Spirit no longer calls Jerusalem the holy city. Notice that. It's called Sodom and Egypt. Why? Because the one that is ruling and reigning there in Jerusalem at this time is the Antichrist. Some have said that the Antichrist will be a homosexual simply because of the terminology that is used here, Sodom and Egypt. I have no doubt that homosexuality at that time will be rampant just like it is today. I think it's going to be even more so. And then it says Sodom and Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world, worldliness, worldly things. People that dwell on worldly things. This is being done in the city where our Lord was crucified. Satan takes great pleasure in taking that which is of God and twisting it and making something dirty out of it. He tries to take everything that God has deemed for good and twist it and try to make it into something for his purposes. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. The Antichrist is going to gloat over this one. Look at what I've done. These two men that have been preaching, nobody's been able to kill them. 
they've stopped it from raining. They've turned all the water into blood, and they've done this, and they've killed this one and that one. Look at me. Oh, look at what I've done. I've finally overcome them. The Antichrist is going to think that he is the one that have done this thing. And no doubt television cameras being honed in on that part of the world. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that every nation and tongue shall see it. Something can happen in the world right now, and everybody knows about it. Through the Internet, you can even get news flashes to come across your phone now. Something happens, boom, you know about it instantly. You know, way back years ago, people wondered about this. How in the world can everybody in the world know and see their dead bodies laying there in Jerusalem? Well, now we know, don't we? Verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. They're going to celebrate like it's Christmas time. Who knows? It just might be Christmas time. It might be in the month of December when these two witnesses are killed. Just thought I'd throw that out. I don't know. These two prophets tormented them with plagues of judgment, no rain, turning the water into blood. That's one thing. But I think the thing that really tormented them the most was their preaching. And our preaching today should torment those around us. Let me say this, what you say is not necessarily the most effective sermon you'll ever preach, but it's the life that you live. The life that you live is the most effective sermon that you will ever preach. Now I want you to think about it. There are people that you know right now, they hate for you to even come around them. And it's not so much that you say anything to them, but they know that you're a Christian. And your very lifestyle convicts them of the sin in their life. It torments them. I know what I'm talking about. Been there. I remember back when I was backslid out in the world. There's certain people I didn't want to hang around. And they didn't have to preach to me. They didn't have to say anything to me. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I knew where I needed to be. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. But just being around those people caused me to think about those things. And I was tormented by it. And these people were tormented by these two witnesses. Like I said, not so much because of the plagues, but because of their preaching. All right, verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and a great fear fell upon them which saw them. That's an understatement for sure. I mean, you imagine... 
two men laying there in the street for three days. People are sending gifts to one another and rejoicing over them being dead. I mean, everybody in the world knows about it. And all of a sudden, these two dead men stand upon their feet. Verse 12 again, And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. They will be raptured, and at that time they will receive their glorified bodies, just like we will have when the rapture takes place. Verse 13, And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and a tenth part of the city fell, And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now, seeing how this is at the end of the tribulation period, um, it is probably the same earthquake of Revelation 16. If you'll flip over there, you can get a little bit more information about this earthquake. Revelation 16 Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake. And so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before the Lord to give her cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So I believe the earthquake that is mentioned here in Revelation 11 13 is the same earthquake that is spoken of in Revelation 16, the seventh vile judgment and revelation 11 verse 14 says the second woe is past and behold the third woe cometh quickly and we're going to take a look at that next week If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.